Good afternoon, everyone. If you haven't worked out by that introduction, this is the Looking Up program. Yes, My is. name is Sharissa, and joining me today is, is Danny Boy. Danny Boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my mum used to call me at times. <laughs> I love it. Danny Boy and Shell, our wonderful producer, and we hope that this day finds you well and very happy. Um, how are you today? I'm praising the Lord, Charissa, on this beautiful sunny day, four days in a row. I don't know yes. what to do with myself. It's an absolutely glorious day out the there. I'm missing the rain. No, I'm not. No, I'm, <laughs> no, not. I'm not. just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, we're so glad that you're all tuning in, joining us for this live broadcast. Just a couple of things to make you aware of today, our subject is Revelation's Antichrist as we wow. move into our third angel's message, the okay, third and final okay. angel's message. So we've been stepping through the three angel's messages mm-hmm. today. We begin number three, the third mm-hmm. angel's message. If you have never studied this before, you do not want to change the channel right now. This is going to be an epic study. Huge, huge, huge. huge. <laughs> wow, sounds good. Donald sounds Donald. like Donald. <laughs> sounds like Trump. So um, we would also love to hear people's mm, feedback. Uh, any questions? You may have some questions generated by the Bible study time today. So we'd love to hear from you. Comments, questions, and even prayer requests. We'd mm. take them all. Uh, the number to reach us here in studio is 04-888-17624. And, of course, you might also want to keep that number handy because there'll be a prize giveaway. Oh, fantastic giveaway. Oh, yeah. actually, Always. We only give away fantastics here true. on The Looking Up Show. That's right. And we have some really good news about that giveaway, which I'll share in the next segment. Huge, huge, huge. Huge. (laughs) Doesn't get bigger than that. Um, We also want to remind you, you can access all past programs on the podcast section of our website, the Looking Up section, or the Faith FM app. But now we're going to listen to To the Only God by David Crowder and Shane and Shane. From falling to the only God Be all glory and honor Majesty and power For all ages now and forevermore
Majesty and power for all ages now and forevermore. Forevermore. Amen. What a beautiful song. You're listening to the Looking Up program. We are live right now, and this is usually the segment that we talk about current events in the light of what the Bible says will be happening at the end of time and how it relates to Jesus' return and Bible prophecy. But today we have a very special guest joining us. I'm going to hand to you, Pastor Danny, to do the introductions. Fantastic. Well, um, thank you so much, Sharissa. You are... Privileged today for the first time on the Looking Up show, we have Wendy Francis with us from Australian Christian Lobby. Welcome to the Looking Up show, Wendy. Thank you, guys. You, you've talked me up big now. I have to oh. try and be really smart and wise after oh, that. I'm so. telling you, it doesn't, <laughs> get, it doesn't get any huger than to have Wendy Francis from the ACL Club. Now, although although unlike Blair, who interviewed you the other day, um, Wendy, I listened to that interview. It was a fantastic um, interview. I am not um, a number one fan on the Facebook page because I'm not on Facebook. But I oh. I do have Martin Isles. Um, I do have Martin Isles on my um, on my YouTube um, playlist, okay. and I listen to <laughs> and I listen to everything he says. I take it as gospel, um, almost no, <laughs> but um, look, almost, almost, <laughs> yeah. We really appreciate you coming on, Wendy. And um, someone tells me that there could be an election coming up soon. Oh boy, I will be so glad. <laughs> Won't we be glad when it's Monday and we sort of get back to just normal? <laughs> I thought it was bad when we, we had COVID every night because you remember that time, like during that two years, every night it was just COVID, COVID, COVID. We sort of got over COVID and now it's just been election, election, election. Yeah, <laughs> before that we um, had Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And, exactly, um, yeah. And, um, it's, been, it's been one thing after country. the other, yeah. It really yeah. has been these last couple of years. And so, Wendy, um, do you want to just sort of begin by um, – giving us a little bit of background of your role there at the Australian Christian Lobby, your background, your history in coming to that role and, and why you have made the decision to to do as you are doing currently. I'd love to. So it goes back probably um, 12 years for me. I have been, my background is in, um, I was in Griffith University, which is uh, Brisbane, one of Brisbane's main universities. And I was managing a research centre and in that research centre we um, we were looking at what the impact of public art has, the impact that that has on culture and, and one of the things that I realised during that whole research project that I was managing was that um, what happens in our public spaces really does have a, a strong impact on our sense of well-being. For instance, if there's a park where um, mums with prams go and over the weekend there are broken bottles or there is graffiti, mums with prams will actually vacate that park. But it won't stay vacant. Somebody else will come in and fill that space. And so it can just one thing that can happen in our public spaces can change the feeling of, a, of an entire neighbourhood. So that being the case, I was starting to have grandchildren and what was very obvious to me was that 
our our spaces, our public spaces, were becoming more and more sexualized. And so, for in in the whole research sort of brain, I was thinking, okay, so this is going to have a real impact on our future generations when we are just completely sexualizing their public spaces. And so I tried to make a difference just as Wendy Francis, Christian mum, but it didn't work because what happened was every time I tried to knock on a door to say, look, these billboards should not be here, this outdoor advertising should not be happening, everybody said it's legal, it's legal, it's legal. So I was like, okay, we're going to change the law. If this is legal, we're going to change the law. And then laws are made in Parliament. So it's sort of, that's how it led me to want to get involved in politics. Um, So I've been with ACL now for 11 years. Um, Ten of those years I was state director for Queensland. And then late last year, ACL asked me to move into more of a national role. So I now um, oversee our national politics. Um, And so Mm. I've been very involved with this election. But that's that's how I got here. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Wendy. Now, now... When when people may hear Australian Christian lobby and, uh, you know, people have, you know, different perceptions of what that word lobby means, what if someone asked you, do you, you know, does the Australian Christian lobby, is it affiliated with any political party? Does it have any political biases? How would you answer that question? So the big answer is no, not at all. Uh, what we're looking for is we want to impact all aspects of politics, we want to speak truth into Parliament. And so that involves that our answers in Australia and globally are not to be found in any political party. That's not what the answer is. The answer is actually in Jesus. So we want to speak the words of truth, Jesus is truth, into our political system. And um, I mean, this election is a good example. We have uh, made sure that we have campaigned in a number of different seats of of all different colours um, to to speak truth. When there is a, a, a um, record of a Member of Parliament voting, uh, how they have voted on really important issues like religious freedom bill or even like pro-life bills, those sort of things, we make that known so that people can vote intelligently and they can look at it and say, okay, this is, this is what represents me and that is how I'll vote. Mm, fantastic. Thank you for that. And that leads me um, into into my next question that you may want to comment on. Uh, Martin Isles, I was listening to him not so long ago, and, and he was he was speaking of, um, you know, this, this very key platform uh, coming up to the election on Saturday uh, that the Australian Christian Lobby is looking to encourage Christians in particular, and, and all, but in particular Christians, to, to make decisions based on. And that was not so much political parties but people not not parties mm. but uh, but people can you can you sort of just briefly share on that because people have you know there are there are many that have already voted you know i was at the booth the other day and so was um sharissa i'm not sure if shell's been shell's nodding her head she's already been um there's a whole bunch more people that are planning on going from now till saturday um what what does that entail uh people rather than parties when it comes to the vote so there's 151 electorates in around Australia and there are 151 members in the House of Representatives. So each each one of us live in an electorate and we have one representative that goes to Canberra and represents us there. 
So there's 151 um, electorates, 151 representatives. That's why it's called the House of Representatives. So that the people that we are voting for are representing us in Canberra. So it's really important not to vote for parties um, first and foremost. Sometimes I'll, I'll just touch on that a little bit more a bit later, but first and foremost, it's got to be people because when we look at, let's take the, for instance, the religious discrimination mm, bill yes, that yes. was lost just only a, a month or so ago. Um, what, we're, what we looked at there was the Liberal Party's platform was to support a religious discrimination bill and the bill that they put up. That was their platform. But five of their members actually used their democratic right to vote against their party. And the Labor Party, what they do is once they get into their party room, they all vote on how they're going to um, approach any piece of legislation. So with the, uh, certainly with the religious discrimination bill, they voted to support it in the first place. But in the second place, they actually voted to not support the right of Christian schools to be able mm. to. Um, so both parties are democratic, but the Liberal Party allows their people to um, cross the floor at any time. The Labor Party vote as a block but their, their democracy happens in their party. Mm. So, so whichever party you're voting for, whichever person you're voting for, they, are, they have a say in their party. And so that's why Martin is really been trying to push home this, um, this idea of we need to vote for people, not parties, because if you just look at the Liberal Party and say, oh, their platform is yeah. to support a religious freedom bill, you might be voting for somebody who's actually going to cross the you floor. Made it, yeah, exactly. One of those five individuals that crossed the floor, as you pointed Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And the same thing happens with minor parties. So yeah. in the minor parties, you've got really good candidates and you've got some who, who might be very opposed to what you stand for. So they are more of a, a you know an assortment of people, I think, in the minor parties. Mm. Um, but but each uh, you know there is no there's no golden egg here there's no this party is going to be exactly what I want um, so we say vote for the people not parties some people might say to me I've gone through all of my candidates and none of them actually stand up for what I believe yeah. then I would actually look at the party platform yeah, I would okay. say okay go to the party platform then and try and decide which party platform is going to support what you believe but certainly it needs to be people first because that person is the one who's going to represent you in parliament yeah very good um uh that that's a very good intro into this question that's come through wendy um you've you've already covered it i i believe very well but there is an aspect here that you may want to um comment on this is a question that's come in from one of our listeners by the name of Peter, and um, and this is what he he simply writes. Thanks for the interview uh, with ACL. In reality, he says it doesn't make uh, sorry. In reality, it doesn't matter what a party candidate believes. The party whip um, forces them to vote on party lines. Could your guest comment, please? So you've already commented on that. Um, is there any more that you want to sort of share on that regarding you know? Um, yeah, so I think the important thing to note is that um, certainly in the Liberal Party, they don't force anybody to vote according to anything. Mm. They give each of their members always the right to actually decide um, what that, how they will vote. Uh, and then in the Labor Party, they also have that right, but it's inside party walls. So we don't get to necessarily find out what goes behind the, the um, walls there. But the more good people we get into the Labor Party, the more people we get in that 
for instance, um, support religious freedom, then the you know that's more likely that we're going to get a, a vote that will actually give religious freedom. Mind you, this past um, you know vote, the Labor Party did vote in favour of the religious freedom bill in its first um, in its first presentation, but they went on to add amendments, and that's where it sort of all fell apart. Yeah, but then I. I I understand what your um, listener is asking there, but I would have to disagree to an extent because there is freedom for members to actually vote against their party. Of course, it's frowned on, um, but there is there is democracy in both of these parties. Uh, have you seen too many uh, Labor members cross the floor in your time? No, no they're actually... <laughs> they may cross the floor saying... behind closed doors, but they exactly. don't cross the floor no. uh, in the view no. of the Australian public, okay? <laughs> no, they vote as a block. Once they've decided, they vote as a block, yeah. and that's part of their, you know, their party platform is they vote as a block. But behind those walls, we need to get people in there who really value freedom and who value life, yeah. Mm. Yeah, sure. So I don't know if you had any questions. I've got another 25 questions lined oh, up. Oh, you keep going. I'm enjoying the conversation. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Wendy. Look, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by politics myself, um, not so much from the traditional political point of view but from a prophetic point of view. Um, I, I've done a lot of um, research and spent a lot of time in that space and, and the Bible obviously speaks of you know, a coming day and age um, in the book of Revelation in particular where religious liberty will be threatened beyond what we can even begin to imagine um, today. Now, with, mm. with some of the shifts that are taking place, it's very hard to sort of get your head around some of these shifts. Like, if you don't mind commenting, we've only got a couple of minutes or so unless Shell mm. does another miraculous um, extension of time, which is able and capable <laughs> of doing. But um, with, with what just took place in Victoria, I guess, was it last year or the year before? I can't exactly remember. Um, that bill that came through whereby um, if someone comes to you and they want to live in harmony with the will of God when it comes to um, how they, you know, in, in regards to their sexuality and so forth, um, mm-hmm. and you pray with them or pray for them or give them counsel, and they've come to you um, from, say, the LGBTIQ plus community, you can be um, in a whole heap of trouble there in Victoria, and regardless of where you live, if it happens to be a Victorian, you can find yourself in hot water. How do we get to this point, Wendy? Yeah, look, it has been a, a progression that has happened very quickly in Australia. That's for sure that we've gone from largely a nation that identified as Christian to now being uh, probably less than 50%. We still don't have the latest census figures. But certainly in Victoria, there is a darkness there. I mean, we're just we're seeing now Bernie Finn is being expelled or they're wanting to expel him from the party because of his pro-life views. So we are seeing a very dark time in Victoria. I would say that, you know, what, what God tells us to do is to pray your kingdom come so we, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we can't, we shouldn't pray those things unless we're prepared to be part of the solution. Yeah. And so what God tells us to do is to pray your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we are, we are told that we are to be part of this kingdom coming here on earth and being obedient to God. And as we are, then we bring some of his kingdom here in our space. What I also think is that 
the times are looking really grim and, and, you know, I do pray even so, come Lord Jesus. But we don't know the times and we don't know whether he will even yet bring revival in our land. Mm. And so um, we are to pray for revival. We are to work for his kingdom to come. But all the while knowing that in the darkness, that is when he wants his light to shine even brighter. And when a room is very dark, it doesn't take much of a light to really make its presence known. And mm. so I really think that in there are some dark times happening and there could be some very dark times to happen. Um, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that somebody like Martin Miles ends up in jail, to be honest. Mm. Uh, but if that happens, then so be it. And God I'll knows, be following and, him. Um, <laughs> and Charisse is, actually, is nervously going to follow him. <laughs> I'll bake him a cake and I'll put a nail file in it. <laughs> Fair good. Yes, yeah. I, I, I really appreciate, um, you know, Martin Isles and him stepping out and, mm. uh, and, 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 and just simply sharing scripture. He does it in a very in a very respectful manner, in a very loving and kind manner, but he, he shares the scriptures for as they as as they are. And ultimately, whatever God shares with us from his word, from his law of love, it's for our best. And um, yeah. whenever we step away from God's plan, from his template, when we follow our own GPS rather than God's, that's when we fall into trouble. Well, Wendy, so much. Thank you so much for this time. We're with the election coming up in a couple of couple of days' time, I want, I want to just share this scripture from First Timothy that I'm sure you're well familiar with, Wendy, and and this really encourages us with what we ought to be doing. You, you talked about praying, and this is so important. First Timothy chapter two, verses one and two, where the apostle Paul he says, "Therefore I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all." for kings and all who are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, so we need to be praying for our political leaders, um, whoever it is uh, that rules and reigns come, come the next few days that God will bless them. So we're going to be moving now to a song.
everyone you're listening to a repeat of our live show looking up that's right and if you think this is good you'll definitely want to tune in on wednesdays at 3 30 to join us for the live event because you can actually participate there's a free giveaway that you can claim you can text in your questions and prayer requests live is so much more fun so catch you then faith looks up sorry looks back worry looks around Welcome, you are listening to Looking Up with Danny, Sharissa and Shell And we had a wonderful interview with Wendy mm, just before yes, we the did break indeed. Yeah, that was really, really wonderful, very special to have her Thank joining you, us Thank you, Wendy, thank you, Wendy Absolutely, we kind of ran out of time there at the end oh, As always <laughs> <laughs> To elaborate on the thank you, but thank you very much Look, we want to make you aware of the prize for today And I have amazing news for all of our listeners There is no cap on the prize for today, which means everyone can be a winner mm-hmm. on today's program. Mm-hmm. So if you would like to be a winner, this is what is on uh, on the table. It's a book by Steve Wahlberg called God's Final Warning, The Three Angels' Messages. How appropriate. Mm-hmm. Here we are studying them. Final warning. Well, we've had warnings and promises for nearly 6,000 years. After all of this time, are things really going to happen? There's no need to panic. God has everything under control. You need to read this book to find out more. So there will be a code word that we're going there to release in maybe the next segment. Mm-hmm. And the number you will want to keep by your side so that you can be a, a prize winner today is 04-888-17624. And that same number is a great number to reach us on with any texted comments or questions. We'd mm-hmm. love to hear from you. Amen, amen. And if I could add uh, my two bobs worth regarding this little book, it's it's a little pocket book. So mm-hmm. it's not a big, big book. So there are folk out there that are not big readers. You know, in this day and age, a lot of people like to listen or watch. Um, they're not so keen on reading. However, this is a little pocket book size book, 32 pages shell, I think. So it's a little pocket size so you can fit in your pocket, handbag. And, um, and in a nutshell, it goes through the three angels' messages that we have been dealing with, you know, week by week, and we're really sort of, you know, digging deep and unpacking it. Um, but, yeah, this gives you a, a very good overview. So for the for those who are not readers out there, you want to get your hands on this little book. This is like a gem. It's a real keeper. Well, if that didn't sell it to you, I don't know what will. <laughs> that was a good plug. Then. <laughs> yeah, so it's a great, great little book. And so just and the good thing is with, with pocket books, they're so small, yeah. you can be in the train, you can you be on the bus, put them in your you pocket. Be wherever, and, you know, you've got to spare five minutes, pull it out, you know, and if this message is God's final message of love to the world, then guess what? You want to have that close to you. Mm. And so you can be well informed and, you know, sort of know it. And not just know it for yourself, sure, but be able to share it. Absolutely. You know, be able to share it. And um, so, yeah. Yeah, really Absolutely. wonderful gift. Oh, thank you so much, Pastor Danny. Well, I think we're ready unless you have some news items you want to raise or we'll leave it. 
Well, I think we'll leave it for next week, but I do want to um, just... Uh, it's been on the news, you know, what, what's happened in um, Sri Lanka. Oh, uh, what has happened well, in what Sri has Lanka? Happened, the country's gone bankrupt and oh. um, they've had to change government. It's in a, it's in a real state. And, uh, yeah, so, folk, I mean, it's been on the news... I watch a bit of SBS news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always loved SBS news because it kind of gives you a bit more of a world perspective. And, yeah, I was listening to this um, or watching this uh, Indian news uh, station um, just, just on YouTube the other day and it was really – they were just showing how so many nations now um, that are third world or sort of on the verge of third world – about a hundred or more countries that are next in line to collapse. Wow. Like literally, Sri Lanka's economy has collapsed. Wow. And that's not an understatement. People can Google that, they can check that out. And so we're dealing with millions and millions of people who, you know, don't have food, there's no petrol, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've, they've just gone bankrupt. The country, the entire country has gone bankrupt. And so they're saying this could be the tip of the iceberg. And with, um, you know, with the ch- supply chain issues we've had, inflation is, is running rife like at no other time sort of in, 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 in our time in living memory, as they say, um, and, you know, with the still, you know, the fallout from the COVID pandemic and a whole bunch of things. It's been like a perfect storm that has come together, that has brought, you know, chaos and confusion, um, not just in Sri Lanka, but now, like I said, it could be a domino effect, they're mm. suggesting. Um, and so, yeah, interesting times and, yeah, we'll see where it all heads, but there won't be any shortage of, of prophetic um, news items in we the coming weeks. We never have a problem in that space. No, no, no we don't. But we'll, we'll, we might look at that a little bit more next week. All right, sounds good. Well, then that means we're ready for our Bible we study. We are. We are. So we want to take a look at um, what God's Word has to say, and I think we will begin with prayer as always. And Sharissa, if you'd like to lead us in prayer, and I'll try and keep my talking to a more of a minimum today if I can. <laughs> That's going to be even, a challenge. Isn't that, is that even possible? <laughs> we will soon find out. <laughs> All, right. All right, let's pray. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study today's very important topic. It's a big one, Lord, and so we invite the Holy Spirit to guide us, to help us to understand. And may Jesus be lifted up, we pray in his name. Amen. 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 And, folks, if you have any questions as we are going through this study, just flick them. Yes, flick them please through. do. Zero four triple eight seventeen sixty two four. And we'd love to answer them as we go because that's that's a lot of fun, isn't it? Q and A is mm-hmm. it's my favourite time. You know, Q and A <laughs> because you're actually answering. I love giving the questions. Yeah, I know, I know you do. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, just in case you are joining us, maybe possibly for the first time and you haven't caught up, we've been um, over a number of weeks now, been uh, journeying through the three angels' messages found in Revelation 14 verses 6 to 12, which is God's final message of love to the world, and we know that because the event that follows. In the, in the following verses from verses 14 to 20 is the second coming of Jesus. So once this message has been shared with the whole world, then Jesus comes. And we know that this is God's final message of love to the world because Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel would be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. Mm-hmm. And this message is is described right from the get-go as the everlasting gospel. Amen. That needs to go to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. So this is it. The never-ending good news. The never-ending good news. So this is this is the gospel in an end-time context. God has always had the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, to Adam and Eve. 
he had the gospel. Do you remember that first promise? What was it? I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. Wonderful. Yep. The gospel was there in the days of Noah. Do you remember what that was? Coming to the ark. Absolutely. It's a way of escape. Absolutely. What about the gospel in the days of the children of Israel stuck in slavery for 400 years? What was the gospel there? I will deliver you. Wow, three out of three. We're going strong. All right, I'm okay. enjoying the challenge. <laughs> what was the gospel in the days before the destruction of Jerusalem, the first time in the days of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel? What was the gospel by the prophets? What were they, what were they inviting the people to do? You tell me. <laughs> the, the, the prophets like Jeremiah and, and Ezekiel repent. repent and turn mm. to God. Yeah, repent and turn to God. All right, let's get to the gospel in the days of John the Baptist. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Beautiful, beautiful. And in the days of the apostles and the early church, it was, you know, repent and be baptized, Acts chapter 2 and you know, give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. And all the way down through history, we have had the gospel. And so the gospel at the end of time is no different in its substance. It's a message where God wants to save as many as are willing to be saved. Amen. That's the bottom line. The gospel means good news, the good news of salvation. So in the end, God gives us these three messages that will enable us to make an intelligent choice as to whether we will align ourselves with God and the plan of salvation or sadly with the enemy and his plan of destruction. Okay. Damnation. Mm -hmm. Salvation versus damnation. So you're saying that the messages call us to make a choice. Exactly. For God or against God. Exactly. And in fact, um, the three angels' messages, we've summed them up Mm -hmm. in six words. Yeah, we did. I love those six Okay, the first angel's message is basically... God's truth. Second angel's message. Satan's lies. Third angel's message. Your choice. Look at that. Sharissa's got it in six (laughs) words. I love it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to test Shell next week, so prepare yourself, Shell. You're going to be tested (laughs) next week. And that's really it. We will make a choice between accepting God's truth, his love, the gospel, or Satan's lies and Mm -hmm. deception and ultimate destruction. So, Sharissa, with that in mind, let's go to the third angel's message. This is where we are. So we've got the introduction, so hopefully everyone's caught up, and I hope you've got your seatbelts on because this is a huge, huge, huge message. This is probably the most sober and serious warning, and I'm not just using hyperbole and sort of, you know, dramatizing this, Sharissa. Mm -hmm. This is the most serious warning, I would say, in all of Scripture. I have to agree. You are not over-exaggerating. All right. So take us through that, please, if you could read the third angel's message in its entirety from verse 9 all the way through verse 12. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name here is the patience of the saints here are those who keep the commandments of god and the faith of jesus wow that's huge isn't it It there is so much in there Mm -hmm. and um, we're going to be unpacking this a little at a time over the next number of weeks so so here god is warning the world 
not to, under any circumstances, under any circumstance, worship the beast mm. and his image or to receive his mark, that's the mark of the beast, on his forehead or on his hand, under no circumstances. Yep. And this is so important that it's mentioned twice. Mm. Did you notice that? It's mentioned twice. In the first angel's message, we don't have a repetition yep. of, of any particular element. In the second angel's message, well, I guess we do. We've got the repetition mm -hmm. of Babylon that it's fallen, it's fallen. So that's very significant. Mm -hmm. Here we have these three items of worshipping the beast and his image and receiving his mark repeated in verse 11 once again. True. So just in case we missed it. Mm -hmm. So this is so important. So we've got those and we've got the other group who worship Jesus Christ. They're called the patient saints. They keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. So what we need to do is we need to, we need to know who this beast power is. Absolutely. Because otherwise, who, how do you know whether you're worshipping the beast exactly. and his image and what his mark is mm -hmm. if you've got no idea who the beast is? So you've got to decode this. Exactly right. Now, before we decode it, we need to ask, why does God give us such a strong warning against worshipping the beast? If we go back to the previous chapter in chapter 13, in chapter 13, if you want to read verses 3 and 4, in chapter 13, verses 1 to 10, we have a description of this beast. And we're going to identify who this beast is as we go along. All right. uh, we're going to let the scriptures do that. But in verses 3 and 4, it tells us who this, well, it tells us why we ought not to worship this beast and okay. who we are actually. Could you read that, please? And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Okay. So this is at the end of time. And we're going to. We're going to unpack all these details um, at another time, not right now. But at, at this time, we just want to simply establish that those who worship the beast, according to verse 4, are worshipping who? The dragon. The dragon. Now, who's the dragon, Sharissa? I remember this from Revelation 12, mm -hmm. that serpent of old called the devil and Satan. Exactly. He's, he's the dragon there, right? He is the dragon. That That's in Revelation 12 and verse 9, mm -hmm. and uh, the one who deceives the whole world. Yes. So by worshipping the beast, we are worshipping Satan. Mm. Now, is that pretty serious? Extremely serious. <laughs> so can when you, you put it like that. <laughs> and um, so, so we, have, we have here Satan using this power, and we're mm -hmm. going to identify this power. Well, we've identified in the past that a beast is a kingdom in Bible prophecy. That's what a beast represents. And you can look at Daniel chapter 7, and you can find that out. You know, four beasts. Four kingdoms there in Daniel chapter 7. And so a beast is a kingdom. It's either a political or a religious power or sometimes both. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a power and God uses, you know, the language of, of, of beasts and, and these symbols to illustrate that. Now, the dragon, Satan, has, has always used individuals or systems to get his way. Mm -hmm. He's never come out in the open. You think about it. It's very how cunning. Did he, how did he? Yeah, exactly. That's how he's described in Genesis chapter three. How, how did he describe Eve? 
How did he describe her? Sorry, how did he deceive her? How, how did he <laughs> deceive her? Um, he described her as He a mixed truth with error. He did. And you know what? We're going to have to continue <laughs> the thought. We've got a song right now for all the saints by Fountain View Academy. Oh, I love Fountain View. Enjoy.
huge. Oh, what a song. That was huge. I love that song. Yeah, just so beautiful. Well, we didn't get to talk about this, but we need to give a code word away. We do. We do. So I'm not sure if you're ready to, to trial one now, or do you want to think is about it, it one more segment? Is it the word huge, Shell? No, it's not, <laughs> is it? <laughs> no, I remember what it was. I remember what it was. It was message. Message. Did I get that right, Shell? All right, all right. So uh, if you're listening, today is one of those special days where everyone's a winner. Their prize is an incredible book by Steve Wahlberg on the topic that we're studying today. Mm -hmm. It's called God's Final Warning, The Three Angels' Messages. Uh, you need to have this book if you want to study more and you want to be able to have it close to you, as you mentioned before, Pastor Danny. So please, if you'd like to obtain your free copy of today's prize giveaway, text the word MESSAGE to 04888-17624. That's MESSAGE to the number 04888-17624. And remember... Today, everybody's a winner. Everyone's a winner. And if you can't spell the word message, mess is good enough. <laughs> mess. <laughs> it's my life. Mess. No. Yep. <laughs> All right. So, Sharissa, we're, we're looking at, we're looking at, at um, who this power is, this antichrist power, this beast power um, that God says under no circumstances are we to worship and give our allegiance to because ultimately we will be worshiping the dragon. And before we went to the break, we discovered that that's how Satan has always worked. He's worked right. through through a front man, if I could use that term. You know, he deceived Eve through the serpent. Um, he sought to deceive Christ through an angel. Um, he, you know, he wanted to use, you know, Peter, one of one of Jesus' you know, keenest disciples, um, you know, to, to to turn away from the cross and so on and so forth. So all the way down through history, Satan has used. Um, political powers, religious powers, individuals, and so on and so forth. So we need to know, we need to know who this power is because it's extremely important. So let's let's start reading in verses 1 and 2. So Revelation 13 is where this power is identified. And as we put these pieces together, it's going to be like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. And today we're literally only going to look at four major pieces. Okay. Um, so there's a whole heap. There's like 10 to 20 pieces um, but we just look at four biggies that are indisputable. All right. Oh. So Revelation 13, 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Verse 2. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Okay, this is fascinating. So there's a lot in this, but in the interest of time, I'm simply just going to summarize. So we've got this power that rises up out of the sea. Now, the sea is a symbol for Many people. Yes. Revelation seventeen where did you, fifteen. Okay. Revelation I was say, seventeen. Where did you get that from? And then. Revelation seventeen fifteen tells us, you know, yep. the, the seas, multitudes, nations, peoples, and so forth. That's what the waters represent. Mm-hmm. So, so there's this kingdom. It's going to be arising in a populated part of the world. Mm-hmm. Now, it's interesting because this power, this kingdom, is made up of three other kingdoms. Four other kingdoms, you could say. You got the the leopard the bear and the lion. And what does that remind us of? Where have we found oh, these animals? We saw those in Daniel, Daniel, Daniel 7. That's right. We went through the study of Daniel. Mm-hmm. 
And by the way, if you missed that study, we went through the entire book of Daniel, a chapter at a time. Go to the app and there you'll be able to find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Was it last year sometime? I can't remember. Yep, somewhere. Somewhere last year. <laughs> somewhere we, way back. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we, we, we went through that. So we have and we, we, know, we know that that represents the kingdom of Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and then there was Rome. Okay, so these four empires. And so this kingdom, it appears... Is, is a combination of, of the various political and religious elements of those four nations. Mm-hmm. And so this kingdom would follow afterwards. And we know that the dragon in Revelation 12 that Satan works through is pagan Rome in order to destroy baby Jesus. Yes. Okay. So we've got the dragon here giving him his power, his, his throne and great authority. So it's pagan Rome... This is a big clue, talking about big clues. Yeah. Pagan Rome gives power and the throne and great authority to this power. Ooh, well, that's got to narrow it down. That narrows it down. So <laughs> if we know our history, you know, who filled the void when the pagan Roman Empire crumbled and fell apart? There was one, there was one power that filled the then known world, you know, the Western world. Mm-hmm. And today that power is, is huge in that part of the world, and we're going to get to that. But before we do, this power that's called the beast here in Revelation 13 mm-hmm. um, is also referred to as the Antichrist. And this is another big clue. Do you want to just give us these two definitions of Antichrist? Okay, I'm looking for those definitions. One is the adversary of Christ, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the other one, it can mean in the place of Christ. Okay, so it means both things. Yeah, against and in place of. Mm-hmm. Against and in place of. Big, big clues. Okay, big clues. All right, so there's a number of other titles that are given to this power, this beast mm-hmm. power. Okay. In prophecy, in, prophecy, in scripture. In Daniel and Revelation. Mm-hmm. And, and in other parts of Scripture. So it's called, you know, the Antichrist in First and Second John. Um, then we have, you know, the beast here, which we've looked at, Babylon. Mm-hmm. We looked at that last week. Um, it's spoken of as the harlot. Yes. Spoken of as the man of sin and the son of perdition in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 by the Apostle Paul. And it's spoken of in Daniel 7 as the little horn power. Mm. Daniel 7 and 8 as the little horn power. Mm-hmm. Now, why why does God give us so many different descriptors? What do you think? Kind of gives us a different shade of meaning each mm-hmm. each time. Like so you you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you're talking about the right thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, even like just a couple of clues here, like man of sin. Man of sin. What is sin? What's the definition? The, the breaking of, of God's law. First John chapter 3, verse 4, sin is lawlessness. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this power will directly oppose God's Ten Commandment law. Mm-hmm. And we ought not to be surprised because guess what? In Revelation 14, 12, Sharissa, we discovered one group worships the beast and his image and receives his mark. What does the other group do in Revelation 14, 12? They keep the commandments of God. Uh-huh. The- yeah. So is that the opposite? Yes. Two groups. Two groups in Revelation 14, verses 9 to 12. Mm -hmm. That's where the choice comes in. Okay, so this is at the heart of what we're dealing with here. There's a power that will deliberately go against God's Ten Commandment law. Mm. Okay, son of perdition. 
This term appears one other time only in the New Testament. Was it in, in, in reference to Judas? Yes, in reference to Judas. Mm. And who called Judas the son of perdition? Jesus. Jesus. Now, let me ask you, was Judas on the outside of Jesus? He was on Jesus? the inside. He was on the inside. He's okay. part of the 12. So what have we got here? So we've got this power that's against Christ in the place of Christ, described in, in you know, Babylon Harlot and so forth and some of those things, but in particular, the son of perdition, okay, an insider. So this will be within the Christian church. This power will arise within the Christian church and man of sin, you know, in opposition to God's law. So that gives us that gives us a number of clues, doesn't it? Already. It does. Okay. But if you go to Google, right, and you type in, which I did, who is the Antichrist of Bible prophecy? Guess how many hits I received in less than a second. How many? Seven million seven hundred and fifty thousand. Wow. Now that changes every day. But <laughs> we're looking at millions and millions. That was seven almost eight million websites. And you know what? As I Obviously, I didn't go through all those, all those websites, but I had a look at some of them, and there's some weird and wonderful views, mm-hmm. um, all sorts of theories. And so people are often confused and are like, how on earth am I supposed to know? Because that's what a lot of people do today, don't they? They Google. Mm-hmm. You just Google whatever. You know, you Google from, you know, where to go fix your tire to, you know, the nearest place to get a haircut to where Domino's is to whatever. You Google. Yep. You know, that's just what we do today. We Google. Um, so when people go to Google and they see all these different websites and they're saying different things, they're like, how on earth am I going to make sense of this? Mm. So they give up on it and that, because they, they looked at Revelation and they're kind of like, what on earth is this? These strange bees, how am I supposed to understand it? They go to Google to try and get a helping hand and guess what? They're more confused than ever. And so they just give up altogether. Mm-hmm. So how on earth are we going to know? Do we have a chance or do we just give up and tell everyone to go and mow their lawns this afternoon if they're living in Newcastle or the surrounding area? (laughs) I think we need a standard. So what's the standard? God's word. God's word. Now, do you think think God in his word would make it abundantly clear who this power is if there was like a a life and death scenario here? If we know anything about God, we would know he would do that. Exactly. So how has God operated in the past, like when it comes to major world events, like the flood? Was that clear enough what mm-hmm. the people had to do to be saved? Come into the ark and you'd be saved. Absolutely. So God has never tried to confuse or to try and trip up anyone, has he? Not at all. Okay. So we're going to look at just four identification marks. Okay. Like I said, there's there's plenty. There's probably between 10 and 20, mm. you know, but we're just going to look at four. Okay. Firstly, we're going to take a look at who this power is because the Bible tells us, and here in Revelation 13, it tells us that this power rules for 42 prophetic months. Do you want to read for us Revelation 13:5? Yes, it says, And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Okay, so... How long is a day in Bible prophecy, Sharissa? Well, according to the Bible, mm-hmm. a day in Bible prophecy is one year, one literal year. Perfect. Do you remember where those scriptures are found? Is it Numbers 14.6? Numbers 14.34? 
Oh, Very good. Yeah, and Ezekiel 4.6? Right yes, Ezekiel 4.6. <laughs> well done. Well done. I mean, so, there was a six somewhere. There you go. So, folk, if you're, if you're taking notes, you can jot down those because we don't have time to go to all these verses. We just won't get through the study. Um, but, yeah, so the Bible tells us a day in Bible prophecy is equal to one literal year. Mm-hmm. All right. So 42 months. This is significant because this time period appears no less than seven times. Mm-hmm. Seven times in Daniel and Revelation in connection with this power. And you know what, Sharissa? It appears in the three different ways to measure biblical time prophecy. Is the, that so? Yep. These are the three that I've come across in all Scripture. That's true. So the 42 months uh-huh. in Revelation 12, 14, Daniel 7, 25, Daniel 12, 7. It refers to it as, do you want to mention it? A time times and half a time. Okay, so a time is a year, mm-hmm. times is... Two years and a half a time is half a year, so that's three and a half years. Actually, the Arabic Bible translates it that way. Does it? It does. Oh, wow. There you go. There you go. And a year in um, in the Bible is how long? I mean, today we've got 365 days in a year. Was, is that, it's was that 360 the, days. And I think the way they compute that is from the time of the flood, if I'm correct. Yeah, somewhere there. They work it out yeah, that way. Yeah, so, so 360 days in a year. So, But mm-hmm. people – what, what about – what they do, like, I mean, we all know that it takes, you know, the Earth 365 and a quarter days to go around the sun. Mm-hmm. How do they work that out? So do you remember what they would do? No. All right, so every so many years, every so many years, when they'd, like, you know, be out, they'd add an extra month. Okay. So every so many years there'd be 13 months in the year. Nice. Okay, so there's people probably scratching their heads thinking, Danny. That doesn't make sense. It so, actually is an important detail in yeah, some things. Yeah, <laughs> it so, always confuses me. <laughs> so there's a 13th month every so many years to, to keep you know to, uh, to keep them in track. And the other one was? Well, should we come back to it maybe? Oh, yes, we should. Yeah, we're uh, out of time. We've got a song, the Crown Medley, Medley, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, and then we will be back with more. All hail the power of Jesus' Name, let Angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon the throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns all Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives in plea for me. Since 
song. Shell's really picking good ones. Man, she, she always picks good ones. <laughs> she does. Well, look, I was so excited. As we were talking, I was half listening to you and half watching all these free giveaways, the prizes being claimed today. So good on you all who've uh, texted in and claimed today's prize. Again, if you're just joining us or you haven't yet uh, picked up your phone to text in the code word, today's giveaway is a little book called God's Final Warning, The Three Angels' Messages. It is a book that talks about everything we are studying here today and even, I'm guessing, in more detail. Absolutely. And you can have it in in your hand. You can keep it even in your pocket. So look, if you would like to be a winner today, please text the word message to 4 That's 4 Triple eight seventeen sixty two four, and the word is message. Okay, very good. Thank you, Sharissa. All right, we are scooting along, folk, and um, we're going to continue. So we were talking about the three different ways uh, Bible prophecy time is given in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Forty-two months, a time, times, and a half a time. And what's the last one? We have in Revelation eleven three, uh, Revelation says, twelve six. Nice and easy. Just plainly, one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Okay, there you go. So you you can't miss it. So okay. in those three ways. All right. So that's the first clue. It rules for forty two months or twelve hundred and sixty days or twelve hundred and sixty years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it would persecute God's people. Revelation thirteen seven. Would you like to read that for us? Please, sure. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Okay, so it makes war against God's people. Mm-hmm. All right, so it has so it's it's it has the political arm given to it. You yes. know, so uh, that, that's really important. Now we're going to discover that it's also a religious power. It's not only a political power, but it's also a religious power. Because it speaks blasphemous words against God. And we have that in the very first verse. If you want to read that again, please. The Bible says in Revelation 13:1, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Okay. And so that, that word there, blasphemous name or, or blasphemy, appears three other times in chapter 13. Verses 1 to 10, it appears in verse 5. We won't take the time to read that. And in verse 6, it appears twice. Now, blasphemy. If we, if we, did, a, you know, if we did a vote and asked the people for their opinions, you know, Christian people for their opinions, what do you believe blasphemy is according to Scripture? We might get a whole bunch of different ideas. Mm. Um, some might say, like, you know, using God's name in vain, swearing, or whatever the case may be. But the Bible actually gives us a definition mm-hmm. for blasphemy. 
Do you want to read what those two definitions are that we have? Right. So the two that we've found mm-hmm. in is scripture. in the Bible mm-hmm. is making oneself equal with God, so yep. claiming to be God. If yep. you're not God, that's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. And the other one is claiming the power and authority to forgive sins. That was a charge they brought against Jesus because they said, how can he do that? That's blasphemy, but you can do that if you're God. Exactly. <laughs> well, do you want to read those uh, couple of scriptures regarding that? The first one, making oneself equal with God that was leveled against Christ and they accused him of blasphemy. And you want to let us know where that is? So this is in John 10, verses 30 and 31. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. So that was Jesus speaking. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him saying, verse 33 of John 10, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Okay. So was Jesus was Jesus um, able to say, I and my father are one? Was that blasphemy for Jesus to say that? No, because he, he was God and he, he was. was telling the truth. He was telling the truth. But for a human being, for any other person other than Jesus Christ to claim that they are God mm-hmm. on earth, mm-hmm. is that blasphemy? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So that's so that's a big clue. The second aspect of blasphemy is claiming the power to claiming the power and authority to forgive sins. Would you be able to read for us Luke 5, 20 and 21? Once again, Jesus is in the spotlight. So mm-hmm. do you want to take us through that? This is what it says, Luke 5, 20 and 21. When he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Okay, so what's this telling us? Well, again, it's saying that the forgiveness of sins is a prerogative of God alone. God alone. And Jesus did that. So therefore, he's claiming to be God, but he is God. He is God. So it was not blasphemous to do so, but they didn't understand. But any human being? Any human being. Or any human system? Any system, any anything, anyone who mm. claims to forgive sins would be blasphemy, committing blasphemy. Committing blasphemy. Okay, so folks, so there we have the two biblical definitions of for blasphemy. Now, it's interesting that in the book of Daniel, um, there's a fourth item that we want to highlight, mm-hmm. and that is that this power seeks to change God's times and laws. And we already have, we already have um, a clue that this would be very much part and parcel of, of the final conflict because in Revelation 14, 12, those who keep the commandments of God are in the opposite camp to those who receive the mark of the beast, mm-hmm. those who worship the beast and his image. So they're in the opposite camp. Mm-hmm. So this power seeks to change God's times and laws. And you can read about that in Daniel 7 and verse 25 if you'd like to read that. All right. It says, He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and law. Then the saints shall be given into his hand for a time and times and half a time. Well, there you go. So by the way, in this in this very scripture, Daniel 7, 25, we've actually got all four of those points. Mm. Speaks pompous words, that's blasphemy. Mm-hmm. Persecutes the saints, that's making war against God's people. And um, the time, times, and half a time, which we've already looked at, at the end, and in the middle there, changing times and laws, mm. things to change God's times and laws. So this is the law of God, the Ten Commandments, mm. okay, in particular. And the Ten Commandments is a, is a summary of all of Scripture. 
as Jesus said, you know, um, on these two, you know, the two commandments, you know, loving God with all your heart, soul, strength and mind and loving your neighbour as yourself, the two over, overriding principles of the Ten Commandments. Now, this power. All right. Come. Who is it, Danny? All right, it's time to identify <laughs> this power. Now, before, I, before we identify who this power is, we need to make it crystal clear that God here is not speaking against individuals who are part of this system, mm-hmm. part of this, you know, religio-political system. So he's not talking about individuals. He's talking about a system of power. This system has been identified by the reformers down through the centuries as none other than the Roman church state or the Roman papacy or otherwise known as the Roman Catholic church. Mm. So this is this power that the Bible describes. And like I said, Martin Luther, John Wycliffe, John Huss, um, you know. They were all part of that system. The, they were all part of that system and they all saw, and, and they all read the scriptures. They saw the identification marks that we have read. And because they were living in that system, they were living at a time when the Church of Rome was in bed with the political authorities and individuals were being persecuted, you know, burnt at the stake. And there was, you know, there was so much persecution going on and and the church was ruling and reigning um, uh, without any respect to people's liberty of conscience and freedom of religion and so on and so forth. They saw it mm. and they called it out. Mm-hmm. And so nothing new, nothing new to, to Protestants today. However, most Protestants today have either walked away from this teaching, or they're just completely oblivious. Mm. So I don't know what your experience is. You've shared this message um, to many audiences in the past. Do you find many Christians that are like, "Wow, really?" Yeah, I think uh, I think when people hear it for the first time, it can be pretty amazing and overwhelming to think that the Bible was this specific mm. and this clear about something that we can see today. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, too, like if if a person is listening to this broadcast and they might be of this system, that's like right. they might have, that's yeah. maybe all they have ever known. Yeah. Um, that's okay. Like this is not against you. We're just identifying, like you said, a system, and God has good news for everybody yeah. in the world, and that's what the three angels' messages is going to lead us Absolutely. to as we keep going Absolutely. through this. God's not against people, I say, but he he's loves against people. He's against powers and systems that seek to take over the prerogatives that belong to God alone. Yes. And that's always been the case. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting. Well, let's go through this and let's see if these four points stack up and if they indeed are part and parcel of the Roman papacy, which is a religio-political authority. Mm -hmm. So firstly, did the Roman papacy rule for 42 months or 1260 years? And the answer is yes. If you want to just read that little um, uh, summary note of, of, of when it began and when it ended. Mm-hmm. In 538 AD, the Roman Emperor Justinian, he made a decree establishing the Bishop of Rome as the religious and political authority in Western Rome. 1260 years later, on February 15, 1798, Napoleon's general, Berthier, marched into Rome and took Pope Pius VI captive and broke the Roman church's political power. So from 538 to 1798, this was when this system historically was a ruling power in the world. Exactly. And that's exactly 1260 exactly years. Exactly 1260 <laughs> that's pretty amazing. years. 
It is phenomenal. It is absolutely phenomenal. The accuracy of God when it comes to being able to to foretell the future is is unlike anything that we have in 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 any any of of, of human literature. Nothing mm. like it. Now it's interesting. Um, it's interesting that in Revelation thirteen three, if you'd like to read that, here we have a description of this event of of this seventeen ninety eight event, but. It goes on and it says something incredible. Mm -hmm. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So this happened in 1798. So since 1798, by and large, the Roman papacy has uh, remained dormant as far as power in order to continue to persecute, in order to lead um, and dictate in world affairs. Okay. But, but the Bible says. The Bible says the day is coming when the entire world, not just a few, but the entire world are going to follow in the footsteps of the Roman papacy and its leadership. So it will Almost lead the way. Almost the entire world. Almost the entire world, yeah. <laughs> except yes. for those, except for, yeah, except for the remnant at the end of time who will remain true and faithful to Jesus. They are the ones that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. Amen. They are the ones. All right. And it's interesting um, that Revelation 13.10, if you want to read that, it speaks of this very event of 1798. Yeah, it says, He leads into captivity. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. So there you go. So this is describing what took place during a 1260-year period and, um, and, and what happened in 1798. And we know... We know that um, the church did persecute during that period of time with the aid of the government. Mm. Okay, Church and state came together, just mm-hmm. like they did in the time of Jesus to put him on the cross. Church and state came together, just like will be the case at the end of time Amen. when church and state come together. Now, it's interesting uh, when it comes to the second point that it would persecute God's people. In um, March of the year 2000, so that's 22 years ago, March 13, um, 2000. It was Pope John Paul II who was the Pope at the time. And the headline in the New York Times was Pope Asks Forgiveness for Errors of the Church Over 2,000 Years. And so basically for the first time, um, the Roman uh, Church, the Roman Catholic Church acknowledged the persecutions of the Dark Ages. You know, we talk about the Inquisition. Um, people can Google that and you can discover, you know, that anywhere up to 50 to 100 million Christians were killed at the hand of the church. Mm-hmm. And that is just horrific to think about. It is. Unlike any other. And I've been to many of these places in Europe in particular where where individuals were martyred. You know, they were burnt at the stake in particular. You know, one memorable is um, where I went to, you know, John Huss and Jerome. Mm-hmm. Uh where where they were martyred there, if I remember correctly, it was um, in Switzerland. Could be wrong. Could could be Germany. Actually, it was in Germany, in Constance. So um, yeah, there's a, there's a plaque there uh, to commemorate the place. Okay, we're going to we're going to continue with this. We've got a couple more identification oh, yeah, marks. Yeah, glad you're and, watching. Um, yeah, well, just the, the time flew by. Well, now why don't we listen to a song? Uh, this one's from Carly Fletcher. Come and worship. And then we will come back after the news with our final leg of the study.
If you just know the Bible, if you're just biblically literate, I saw a take on Twitter this morning where someone was saying, if you're reading Leviticus, you're not a Christian because Leviticus isn't in red because Jesus didn't say anything in, in Leviticus. So therefore, you're not oh, a Christian. No. And it was like the worst take I've ever seen, but it, it highlights the, the most gospel-centered books in I the know, entire right? scripture. Oh, it's the wild. entire book is all about Jesus. It's not about anything else other than Jesus. Yeah. Uh, like obviously, it's the most information. <laughs> got me started on ranting. There is, there is. I would say that Revelation and Leviticus are the two single most information dense books in the entire Scripture about Jesus Christ. Join us weekday mornings on the Breakfast Show. Hey everyone, you're listening to a repeat of our live show, Looking Up. That's right, and if you think this is good, you'll definitely want to tune in on Wednesdays at 3.30 to join us for the live event, because you can actually participate. There's a free giveaway that you can claim, you can text in your questions and prayer requests. Live is so much more fun, so catch you then. Faith looks up, sorry looks back, worry looks around. Well, we are here for our final leg of the journey, and what a journey it has been today. This has been an epic study. Yeah, well, it's big. It's huge. And I uh, just uh, want to thank you all for taking up the, the, the call to receive a prize from today's program. The, the code word is MESSAGE. The book that is up for everybody to get, everyone can be a winner today, is God's Final Warning, The Three Angels' Messages by Steve Wahlberg. Great little book. You will want it. Uh, and to get it, all you have to do is text the word MESSAGE to 04888 mm, Wow. Yeah, it's a great book. So get out there, make that text. Make that call, get your book in your little hand, and you'll be blessed. <laughs> All right, folk. Um, yeah, we we need to be we need to be landing, um, God willing, in the next few minutes. Um, this is our last segment. It'd be good if we had another twenty to thirty minutes, but I'm just going to have to zip along. So we've been looking at these four identification marks of this Antichrist kingdom, this power that's referred to in, in various ways, and we've discovered that it rules for 42 months or 1,260 years, it persecutes God's people, it blasphemes, um, takes on board the prerogatives that belong to God and God alone, claiming to be God on earth and claiming to the power to forgive sins. Now, I've got a number of quotes here. Um, maybe we could just read this one um, from, from a Roman Catholic dictionary regarding the Pope and and how the Pope is viewed by the Church of Rome. Would you like to read that one for us, please? The Pope is of so great dignity and so exalted that he is not a mere man, but as it were God. The Pope is called most holy because he is rightfully presumed to be such. He is likewise the divine monarch and supreme emperor and king of kings. Wow. (laughs) I've never seen that before. Now, these terms... Take a photo of that. These terms are all in connection with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. This is who he is. And so the Pope has taken on board the prerogatives that belong to Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting that when a Pope is um, introduced to the world, and the latest one is, of course, Pope Francis, who was Jorge Mario Bergoglio. Oh, yeah, it was very well done. No, I think I just totally messed it up. If there's someone from, from Argentina, they will correct me, I'm <laughs> sure. But anyway, he's a 266th Pope, uh, 266th Pope of the Roman Church. 
they say that Peter was the first one, which is not biblical, but anyway, um, that being said, this is what is shared in Latin. I had no idea what the words were, and I went and looked them up, what the English translation is. And so this is interesting. And this is what's announced by, by the person who's introducing the new pope. I announce to you a great joy. We have a pope, the most imminent and reverend Lord, Lord, giving his name, Cardinal of the Holy Roman Church, and gives his name again, who has taken the name Francis. Lord, Lord, most eminent. So there we have, when he's introduced to the world for the very first time, we have blasphemy. He is wow. not Lord, Lord. There is only one Lord, Jesus told us. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the Apostle Paul says there's only one Lord, and that is Jesus Christ. He is our Lord, and he alone is to be worshipped. Now, when it comes to this second um item of blasphemy, I think it's worth reading um, this. There's a number of statements that we could deal with. Just one. If you want to read from the Catholic priest, um, this is a little booklet that's given to Catholic priests on the priesthood. It says, the priest does not only declare that the sinner is forgiven, but he really forgives him. So great is the power of the priest that the judgments of heaven itself are subject to his decision. Can you believe that? Wow. <laughs> That's like That's power. He- it's like heaven rubber stamps the forgiveness that is offered by the priests. Amazing. And I mean this this whole system has been an abuse of power and um and money making. I mean St Peter's Cathedral was was built um in a large sense um through indulgences. You know, we could go on and that, you know, Martin Luther. That's what that that was one of the things that got them got the Reformation up and going. Martin Luther, ninety five theses. They're against indulgences. That you can buy your way to heaven, that you can pay your way to forgiveness. Amazing. No, no, no. And um there there, there is so much more regarding that, but let's just take a look at God's law. This is a statement that the church says regarding its its ability and its right to change God's law. Hmm. You want me to read it? Yeah, go for it. The Pope is of so great authority and power that he can modify, change, or interpret even divine laws. The Pope can modify divine laws since his power is not of man but of God. And that's from the Catholic Ferrari's Ecclesiastical Dictionary. So that's an official Catholic dictionary. So we're not not just going to here, there, and everywhere. We're going to the official sources from the Church of Rome. Now, I have a couple of catechisms in um, in my library. So the catechism is like a teaching tool. It's it's the question and answer of, of how Roman Catholics get to know what their faith is and, mm. you know, for confirmation and Holy Communion and so on and so forth and, and what they believe. And in that in that um, catechism, in those two catechisms, what we've just read is is in there. It's, it's right in there. Don't have time to read it. Um, but if you can just simply just take a look at the Ten Commandments in the catechism, um, you discover that there are nine Literally nine, but there are ten. There are nine, but there are ten. People are like, what do you mean, Danny? You're confusing me. Well, they've taken out the second commandment, which uh, prohibits uh, image worship. And instead, to come up with ten, they've divided the tenth commandment into two. So they split the last one to make it ten. Exactly, because they've pulled out number uh, number two. Mm-hmm. And for the Sabbath, and the Sabbath commandment, the third, it's interesting, if you want to read, this is from the 2005 edition. So this is not like a long time ago. <laughs> this is inside the catechism, and I have it there in my library. Do you want to read? It says the third commandment, 
Do you, want, do, you want, do you want to read what it says there? Remember this. Remember to keep holy the Lord's day. Now that's what it says in the Catechism. But is that what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8? It says in Exodus 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Exactly. So the, you know, the Lord's day is the Sabbath day, but the Lord's day, according to the Church of Rome, is the first day of the week. And that's not biblical. That's amazing. I was just looking here at the... Um, at, you know the changes that were made, and mm. the, you said the second commandment was removed, yeah. the one that where God says, you know, don't make any graven image. I'm looking at the length of that one. Mm. It's the long, like one of the two longest commandments, yeah. and then the one concerning the remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. They're the two longest ones, and they're the ones that have been tampered with. They are the ones that have been tampered. That's a good point. I haven't thought of that, but that is a very good point. And it's interesting. The second commandment at the end of it is keep God's commandments. You know, uh, the, the keeping of God's commandments is, is, is very much part of that second commandment that's been wiped out altogether. Mm-hmm. It's interesting what I shared, what we're sharing, as I pointed out, um, Sharissa has been shared by many, many reformers down through the centuries. And I'm just going to mention, rattle off a few more names. Um, I already shared a few, like Hugh Latimer, Ulrich Zwingli, Philip Melanchthon, John Knox, Thomas Cranmer, Nicholas Ridley. Martin Luther, John Wycliffe, William Tyndale, John Wesley, John Calvin, John Huss. What a list. That's a list. And including, you know, the the authors of the King James Bible. Oh, yeah. Back in 1611. That is the conclusion they came to based on Scripture. Hmm. So, So this system that the Bible describes as this beast power in Revelation 13 and Revelation 14 that you, you know, we're not to worship or certainly align ourselves with the beast power, his image. We're going to discover what the image is, what the mark is in in the future. We're going to unpack all that. Um, This system is the Roman papacy. Uh, That is a religio-political power. And I've been to Rome. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've been to the Vatican. Um, I didn't have a meeting with the the Pope (laughs) um, while I was there, but I was there, and um, and it's it's a nation. It's yes. on a hundred and so many acres, just mm-hmm. over a hundred acres. It's a nation. It has, it has ambassadors that it sends to other nations, and it has ambassadors that that come to it. Like we have an actually, we met the Australian ambassador at the time. Wow! In Rome, um, Tim Fisher. He was a politician, and he was the ambassador. So it's interesting now when it comes to it. Talks about here in Revelation thirteen three. We said. We were discovered the whole world marveled and followed the beast. So it says that the Church of Rome, unlike any other power in human history, will have a resurgence. So it ruled and reigned for over a millennia. Then it has this deadly wound in 1798. But Revelation 13 tells us that it will have a resurrection. Mm-hmm. Very similar to Jesus Christ in many ways. I mean, there are maybe maybe we can deal with that in our in yeah, our next study. There are so. like That's there are a- like ten points that are very similar to Jesus, you know. Um, and so we'll look at that on another, um, maybe the next time we're together. Okay. But if you take a look at Pope Francis, um, I subscribe to Time magazine. He's been on five front covers already. Five front covers of the Time magazine. Um, he was, um, check this out. This he's will, a cover boy. He's a cover boy. He was, <laughs> he was on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine. I mean, this is a music magazine mm. for crying out loud. You know, and the headline was Pope Francis, the times they are a changing. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely are. And this, this, this will blow your mind, Sherry. So if this doesn't blow your mind, folk, I hope you've got your seatbelts on for this one. You need to have your seatbelts on. He was voted in 2013, December, person of the year 
of The Advocate magazine. Wow. Now, do you know The Advocate magazine? Do you know what magazine that is? Tell That's us. a leading LGBTIQ magazine in the United States of America. Wow. He was voted as the person of the year. Wow. The Pope. I didn't Can know that. It? That's amazing. And for his statement that he made, if someone is gay and seeks the Lord with goodwill, who am I to judge? And they said, because you have uttered those words that have never, ever been uttered by any Roman Catholic pontiff in all of human history, if anything, they've been against um, you know, the LGBT community and gay marriage and so on and so forth, which is a relatively new thing, but they voted him as person of the year. Wow. Now, if I would have told you that 20 years ago, that the Pope would be voted as Person of the Year by a leading LGBT magazine in the United States of America. What would you have said to me? I'd say, yeah, right. You would have said something else, I'm sure, apart from that. But, yeah, Shell, what would you have said? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... Pretty frightening. Pretty frightening. I mean, this is mind-boggling stuff. This is like next level, and this just shows you how the Church of Rome has positioned itself in the world as the leading authority. If you go to Google Images, which I did, Google Images, Google Pope Francis and world leaders, you see him, you know. Lots to surf. Oh, man, alive. He is meeting all the major world leaders. And religious leaders. Pope Francis and climate change. Pope Francis and religious leaders. You Google all those things in Google Images and you'll see. You'll see he is Pope Francis and big business leaders. Mm. I Googled that. Pope Francis and big tech. I mean, he's met with all the big tech guys. He, with the, he is the flavor of, he is the most powerful man on the planet. So Mate, it's not Elon Musk. It's not Elon Musk. It's yeah, not Elon. Joe Biden. No, no, no. It's not no, Vladimir no, Putin. No, 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 none of them. He is the most powerful man in human history. Amazing. In fact, in fact, CNN. CNN back in, uh, what was it, 2018, 18. I think, yeah, 2018. CNN, they put out, uh, I think, a six-part um, docu-series. And this was the headline, Pope, the most powerful man in history. Mm. So this is where Bible prophecy is heading. If, you would have, if I would have shared this in 1798 or in the years after that, that this would be the case in 2022, people would have sent me to the Looney Tune bin. They would have sent me there. They would have said, Danny, you don't belong, you know, you, th- th- there's something amiss with you. So, folk, we are watching Bible prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. And it's so exciting because this tells us, Sharissa, that Jesus is coming. Because this, when this all plays out, mm-hmm. when this all plays out, everyone makes the decision. The next thing in Revelation 14, after the third angel's message is preached, Jesus is on his way. Wow. We're almost there. This is exciting stuff. And we have had a wonderful Woo. time. I think there's a lot more we could keep talking oh. about. We could go on and on and on, but we don't have time. Now we're going to hear the battle hymn of the Republic. How appropriate. And then we'll come back with some final thoughts to wrap up. Mine eyes have seen the glory. Of the coming of the Lord, he is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. 
To make men holy, let us let live us to make men free. While God is marching on, glory, glory, hallelujah, glory, glory, hallelujah, glory. Glory, hallelujah, His truth is marching on, His truth is marching on. You are listening to the Battle Hymn of the Republic and what a time we have had today on the Looking Up program. I uh, really enjoyed our study today. Thank you, Pastor Danny, for leading us through hey, the third pleasure. angel's message. Mm. Would you like to share with us some final thoughts as we head to All our right. finish line? Well, folk, um, for those who have heard this for the first time, this might be like really, you know, just like amazingly sort of earth-shattering kind of stuff. Um it does, it does take much to get your head around it. But what I do want to leave us with all, whether we've heard it for the first time, whether we have heard it a number of times, is really what's at the very heart of this prophecy. At the very heart of this prophecy is Jesus. Amen. Jesus has given us this message in order that we may choose to follow him, worship him, he is the lamb, and to give our allegiance to him and him alone. And right in the very heart of Revelation 13, that epic chapter that describes, you know, the final events of human history and that final that final conflict um, that will be waged where the two sides, you know, gods and satans will, will come face to face and that and, and everyone will make a decision. It says in Revelation 13, 8, it says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. That's that's this beast power. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Mm. So there will be those who will not worship. Mm-hmm. And those who will not worship this power or follow in the footsteps of this power at the end of time, they will not receive the mark of the beast, they will not worship the image of the beast, which we're going to get to in the upcoming weeks. It is because they have chosen to follow Christ and their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Mm-hmm. So what, what we need to do is we need to ensure our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We need to daily give our lives to Jesus, daily recommit our lives to Jesus, find, our, find ourselves in, in the Book of Life. We need to be finding ourselves in the, in the God's Book, you mm-hmm. know, the Word of God. If we're spending time in God's Word, then when Jesus comes, we will find ourselves 
and our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen, amen. Thank you so much uh, for that challenge, that reminder, that appeal for us to give our lives to Jesus today mm. and every day so that our names remain in that book of life. Amen. Well, Pastor Danny, would you like to close with prayer for our listeners? Sure, I'd love to. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for prophecy. We thank you that you've given us prophecy, dear Lord, not to scare us, but to prepare us for, for what is coming. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that your word is a two-edged sword. Um, and like a, like a surgeon, Father, you are a surgeon who cuts to heal rather than a butcher who cuts to kill. And whatever you share with us, even if it's, even if it's um, uncomfortable for us to hear at first, Father, it's for our salvation. It's for our good. It's ultimately that we may choose to place our names in the Lamb's Book of Life. I pray for each person who is listening, um, and especially those who have heard this message for the first time. And I pray, Father, that wherever we're from, whatever our denomination, whatever our background, regardless, that we will choose Jesus today. Yes. That we will choose to find our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that we'll spend time with Him each and every day, and that we will allow him to lead and guide us. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Danny. And uh, you're not going to be here next week. We'll no, have a I different program lined mm-hmm. up because uh, you have a funeral, yeah, sadly, up north. To, be, to be officiating it. So uh, we will miss you. But please join us again this time next week mm-hmm. as we come back. Charissa will be here. I will definitely. Yay. <laughs> That's the most important thing. And Shell. <laughs> we will be here. And we look forward to having you join us on another one of these programs. And as I wrap up, just always remember and never forget that fear looks around, regret looks back, but faith Always looks up. So keep looking up and may God bless you all till this time next week. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up when there's pain deep in your heart. Keep looking up, don't give up, don't give up should the tears begin to start. With a prayer, all your cares he will cast into the depths of the sea. His love is always there for me.